Seven years ago, Andy and his wife were in rough financial shape with over six figures in financial debt and basically no savings. They felt they had a lack of control. At this point, having little knowledge in investing, budgeting, and savings, Andy decided to start his journey. Andy dove headfirst into the world of finance, consuming every book on the subject, slowly putting these lessons into practice, and climbing out of debt and investing towards the future. Not only did he turn his financial life completely around with drive and determination, he simultaneously did this while filming his experiences and uploading them to YouTube. Now, your friend Andy is a finance YouTuber with over 75k subscribers and has reached millionaire status. Today, I talked to Andy all about his start in entrepreneurship, YouTube, crypto, and much more. We talk about the crypto projects he's currently in and the opportunity he currently sees. Now, Andy shares a ton of valuable information, so if you guys are interested in this video, make sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel if you you haven't already there will be a link for Andy's channel also down in the description there's also a link to a gleam giveaway I'm currently giving away $2,700 to my subscribers so go and check that out but without further ado let's dive into the interview awesome well I appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on the channel Andy if you wouldn't mind taking a brief second to maybe introduce yourself where you're from and uh, what you're currently doing yeah, so um, if you found me on the YouTubes, you'd know me as your friend, Andy. Uh, I've been doing this YouTube thing for two years now. Uh, this is actually my second channel. My first channel I've actually uh, done before that called Burger Fiction. So it's my second foray into YouTube. Uh, but this channel um, is all focused on finance and investing and wealth building and crypto. Um, and so I chat about that stuff on YouTube and on Twitter and on other platforms. I live in Texas, in Austin, Texas, and I'm excited to chat with you. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, I haven't done much research into your previous channel. Can you tell me a little bit about that, how you got started on YouTube and sort of where you decided that passion came from? Yeah. So, I mean, I have a background in video production and stuff. My, my last nine to five job, uh, as it were, was a creative director at a technology company. And uh, so I've always been dabbling in video and stuff. And um, in 2015, I believe, started another channel called Burger Fiction. It's like cinema and super cuts and movie reviews and all that kind of video essays, that kind of fun stuff. And um, that channel has like nearly 80 million views or something like that. Uh, it's, wow. it's relatively successful, but um, money is, is that niche is not a profitable niche. So I saw the potential of growth on YouTube um, and I do love movies and everything, but I wasn't actually, I found out I wasn't actually all that passionate about like doing deep dive content into it. And so I'm like, I like video making. Uh, I like YouTube. I see the potential. What is a passion of mine that I'm excited about that I could do a channel on and well, finance uh, ever since I kind of turned my life around financially. Uh, I've been really excited to talk about that and share that those ideas with other people. And therefore, I started this channel and here I am today. That's very cool. That's very impressive as well. Congratulations. So do you do all your own editing? That was one of my questions I had. Uh, so I you did contract it out for probably the first six or so months, but that's something uh, I don't like to do. So I knew very, uh, as, basically, as soon as the channel got monetized, I was like, um, <coughs> excuse me. Basically, as soon as the channel got monetized, 100% of my uh, um, YouTube money uh, at that early stages went to hiring editor. And now I have a full time, uh, my editor, Greg, he's awesome. Uh, he actually works for me full time, um, full time employee, uh, does all the videos for um, the channel and TikTok and all little shorts and various things. And it's wonderful. Great working relationship. 
No, that's very cool. Of course. Yeah. At what point do you start uh, just doubling down on your, your, your strengths, not trying to improve your weaknesses and just start trying to build a team like that. So that's very cool. So you mentioned briefly in that introduction that uh, there was a turning point for you financially. When was this? Was it due to YouTube? Was it just a mental mind shift? What, uh, what was this? Yeah. So I'm uh, in, in some, in some, or maybe many regards, I'm a late bloomer. Um, I, very, very bad with money all through my 20s and stuff. Uh, it really wasn't until I was age 30. I'm 37 now uh, when I kind of had a wake up call uh, with money. So uh, up until age, so right at age 29, age 30, I had uh, me and my wife had nearly six figures of credit card debt, um, basically living paycheck to paycheck, no savings, almost no investments. I mean, a very small amount in like a Roth IRA that I've just kind of never touched. Um, no idea about budgeting. I had the idea that you needed a budget and stuff like that, but just all around bad practices, spending all the money we made and, and all that good stuff. And uh, what basically happened, it was not, there was no like watershed moment or uh, aha moment. It was just a series of feelings of just uh, dread and um, lack of control. And just like, Hey, you know, there's gotta be a better way than feeling like I'm constantly behind and like there's all this pressure on me about this stuff. And what about future and retirement and all this stuff? And so um, a series of those feelings compounded until I finally hit a breaking point. And I'm like, all right, I, uh, I'm going to change my perspective. I'm no longer going to see my finances as something that are happening to me. This external horrible force pressing down on me that I can't control. Yeah. And I'm going to change and go, actually, no, this is something I 100% can control. I can fix. I can change. And so I read all these books on like budgeting and money and investing and stuff. And then slowly taught myself the whole process. We got out of all that debt. And we built up the savings. We started building our investments. And then... I dipped into crypto and all these things kind of, um, and then on top of that, built all these extra income sources and all that, those things uh, precipitate into the next kind of stage. And then now, um, again, no bad debt, you know, mortgage debt and stuff like that. Um, yeah. We're millionaires. Um, we have uh, extended emergency funds, all this wonderful stuff. And so it's like very much night and day difference and not a huge amount of time. But uh, I mean, I guess to some people, seven years would be a long time to wait for to turn your life around and stuff. But for me, I'm like, wow, I'm very impressed with what I've been able to accomplish in this short amount of time. Um, and I'm just kind of excited about what like that next stage of finance is going to be. So were there any uh, books that stand out? that uh, sort of help you turn turn that page, I guess, without putting a pun in there? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the first book I read that really kind of woke me up to some of the stuff was I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Um, now, looking back on it, do I agree with every principle in the book? No, but it introduced me to the idea that, um, you know, you can get control of your money, you can invest your money. And I also liked his approach um, to budgeting and money outlook. It's like, uh, it seemed like in the book world or in the financial education world, it's like there's people who spend all the money they make or there's people who like every penny they count and they cut back and they budget every cent. And there's like no in between. His was kind of an in between, which was, hey, you cut back and you spend the least amount possible on all the stuff you don't care about. And then the things you do love or you do care about spend extravagantly on those things like go crazy, go ham and enjoy it. Um, and so I kind of borrowed for some of his approach and some of that stuff. Um, and that way you don't go insane as you budget and, and try to live your life and enjoy it. That's very cool. So then what uh, would you 
say was your first start with entrepreneurship? Because obviously what you're doing right now took a lot to get out of a, a nine to five and make that leap. So where was that first for you? So I'm a, I'm a lifelong entrepreneur Very who cool. temporarily put on the clothing of a nine to five uh, salary worker, unfortunately. Uh, it's a, you know, I have, I have no hate, even though on my Twitter and stuff, I will talk about the downsides to nine to five jobs and how much I love entrepreneurship and people think I hate nine to fives. And um, that's not the case. They're just not for me. And so I like to share that message that anybody's like me out there, please don't spend all your time doing that. Go find the thing you really should be doing. Um, but uh, I was an entrepreneur in uh, elementary school and junior high and high school. And then I was kind of sold the idea that, no, I need to let go of all that. I need to go to college and get my degree and go get a normal job with all the normal people and then just work at that and be successful and retire when I'm 60 or whatever. And I did that. And after a, an extended period in the real world of working real jobs, real jobs, uh, I just realized, hey, this is not for me. Why am I? Why am I wasting my life doing these things when clearly my my heart wants to go elsewhere? So I returned to my roots and started, started my own business, which is me and my wife still run as a creative business. We run that. And then on top of that, I've started this channel and other businesses and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, entrepreneurship is 100% in my blood. Very curious. Uh, yeah, I'm very curious as to like what kind of things in elementary school you had first like noticed. Uh, yeah, so um, I don't think I've ever actually... Uh, said this online but when so in elementary school and in junior high my first business uh was i was a magician Very and cool. uh, actually did kids birthday parties and stuff every single weekend when i wasn't you know i did school during the week and then the weekends i did magic shows and stuff and it paid really well it was, it was in the, it was a very novel thing Pe people love to hire a kid who was doing like the party yeah. entertaining um and then into junior high and high school i started a second business which was computer repair and support i had i love building computers and all the techie stuff and it was really early into all that and so very i had cool. that that uh, business which i thought was uh super cool to name it yak computers incorporated yeah. I don't know. I, looking back, it's kind of silly. Uh, and then I did a bunch of, I flip stuff. I've done every kind of um, weird job and stuff. I just like doing things that keep me entertained. And then I drop it and do something new. Very cool. Because a lot of it is the motivation and the drive to just keep trying and, and figuring it out. So uh, I guess that leads into my question. What motivates you? Is it financial success? Is it time for you? What, uh, what motivates you to keep building, keep growing? Um, I like challenges. Um, I like I like to build things. I like to start from next to nothing and then kind of build it into something that is substantial or interesting. Um, the The money aspect is certainly a motivator in the sense that I want enough wealth that um, I can dictate my own time and freedom and stuff and independence uh, to whatever degree that um, that that to whatever degree that is needed. Um, but I don't know. I just I'm I'm a, I'm kind of a scatterbrained um, person. I like to keep things interesting. I like to try different stuff. So um, I've always been kind of jumping around from this to that. So it's just fun to build something up and try it out, and then try something else out. I mean, life's short. And the time, know? the time yeah, that allows so, for that. Exactly. So why not try a bunch of stuff and maybe maybe you will find something along the way that you want to stick to for a long period of time. Like my small business, that I have had for ten years. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, but that chapter, I'm you know transitioning to this online world. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of things in that motivate these decisions, but uh, uh, whatever gives the personal fulfillment and satisfaction, I guess. 
in terms of what you're currently producing, what uh, are some of your favorite things that you research or talk about in terms of finance or DeFi? Well, I mean, the channels, uh, for a while, uh, when I started my channel, I definitely talked about um, finance in general. And it's definitely much more just like crypto centric now. And I probably will backtrack a little bit and maybe start talking about more broad financial topics. Um, but I'm just fascinated with the idea of um, that just about anybody can uh, you know, put your money in the right places and put it to work. You can kind of like build something out of that. Uh, that's really interesting. Uh, but as far as like things I really enjoy talking about, uh, crypto, obviously, since the channel has kind of been focused on that, but I'm a, I'm a, like a hardcore uh, Bitcoin person. I, I'm a big, big fan of it. Majority of the stuff I'm into in crypto and DeFi and stuff is just so I can get more Bitcoin. Um, and now I do find a lot of other projects fascinating. Um, it's just a really interesting space. It's emerging. Um, I, you know, I was born in the, uh, in the 80s, but I lived my childhood and stuff in the 90s. And I was really too young to truly appreciate and like take advantage of the dot coms and the emergence of the internet. Uh, and so I kind of view this as my chance to capitalize on that one to be immersed in it and enjoy all the fun and learn about it as it happens. Uh, but two, financially to, you know, find the Amazon or find the Google uh, amongst all the, you know, pets.com or radio.com or whatever, all the other failures. Uh, and that's also fascinating. Just seeing the whole cycle thing is interesting. Just what makes it and why and what doesn't make it and why. And uh, and seeing that, you know, looking back retroactively, you know, over the course of five or 10 years. Fascinating. Yeah, exactly. And so what are the uh, types of things you're into? And I know taking a brief look at some of your uh, Twitter, like you're also mining Bitcoin. Am I correct? You're probably mm -hmm. invested into it. What are some of your other um, activities, I guess you would you would do online in DeFi? Do you do staking, lending, sort of yield farming? Well, I was doing some like uh, lending and like stuff until uh, the until Anchor Protocol collapsed. And then I after that, I pulled all my money from Celsius and Voyager and BlockFi. I pulled all my money from all these platforms and just like, all right, I'm going to sit on the sidelines. So I lost money on Anchor, but all the other ones, I got my money out beforehand, which was nice. Um, so I'm not doing those things currently, but I, I think there's there's going to be a future where that stuff exists again. I'm just uh, I'm happy to not earn eight percent per year right now uh, because the risk is maybe I lose one hundred percent of my holdings. You know, so I'm just sitting on the sideline with that stuff. But I'm when it comes to crypto and like earning and stuff, I'm in. I just love the idea of creating passive income. So I've been crypto mining uh, for the past five years now, um, and I was doing just GPU mining and stuff like that. I made a lot of money with GPU mining. Um, but then I started getting into the world of ASICs, and now I have a bunch of Bitcoin miners, and I plan to add uh, probably double my position in, in that this this year. And are um, those just at your house, or do you have a location for them? Because <laughs> a few of my friends have them as well, too, and they are loud. <laughs> they're they're awful. Uh, so, yeah, in your house is probably no-go unless you have a basement or you have the space for, like, a sound silencing um, like cabinet for them, which you can certainly do. Uh, no, I have I host mine. Uh, with a company called Musk Miners. Uh, they have facilities in uh, North Dakota, Louisiana, and Texas. And so their Texas one is about six hours from here in West Texas, which is the middle of the desert. It's on a, it's, it's a, it's a site, um, an oil uh, pump site, and they have all this natural gas coming off that and they burn most of it. So instead of burning all of it, they pump some of it into a generator and they power a Bitcoin mining container. So I have mine uh, there. So the mining and stuff, but I also love um, crypto nodes. I've been into for quite a while. 
Uh, I think those are fascinating, especially the uh, utility nodes, which have been around for longer than all the uh, newer crop of quote unquote node projects. I don't know how familiar with all that stuff. Yeah, that was a, um, actually a question of mine. Which uh, node projects are you currently in? Because of course we saw the rise and fall of Strong, which was huge. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had some myself as well. Luckily, I was able to make back my money and then some, but uh, I guess it depends when you bought the node and at what congrats. Point in time. Yeah, yeah, that's. A lot of people did not uh, strong. Yeah. So um, I like to view nodes in the world of crypto space as there are utility nodes and then there are fake nodes or node projects, nodes as a marketing term, which is strong. Now, there will be people who argue and say, yes, it's a real node project. They really stand up Ethereum nodes. But the the node you you buy with your strong tokens, it doesn't do anything meaningful other than it's kind of supports Ethereum network and that's another node on the network. But the true utility nodes, real nodes that I'm interested in, they have some function on the network uh, for that blockchain. So I have a whole host of the, the fake ones and I have made quite a bit of money on some, uh, broken even on some, and then a lot just flat out lost money and we'll never see it again. Goodbye, see you later. Uh, but the utility node side, I've been dabbling in that since 2018, 2019. Wow. And um, so I, my favorites there are as I run uh, Flux nodes, um, Pre-Search nodes, um, Streamer uh, nodes. Um, Raptorium is kind of a very, very small, uh, riskier one that's interesting. Um, and then I've got a few others like um, Pop and um, one or two other miscellaneous ones, I guess, Um I think you even have a uh, tutorial on how to set up pre-search nodes because there are a few hoops to jump through uh, in terms of the yeah. hosting, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and that's the big telltale sign whether you are venturing into the world of uh, real utility nodes or the fake node world because the utility nodes, you actually have to like host. log into, yeah, find a host online, log into Linux, run some command line prompts. It's not super easy, but if you're into the techie stuff, it's a lot of fun. And I really believe in uh, quite a few of those projects. And uh, yeah, pre-search is one I really love. So uh, forgive me if I have, uh, speaking out of my league here, because I probably aren't as knowledgeable as you on nodes here, but I had a conversation with a uh, friend of mine about the current Binance situation and their nodes, how there's, I guess, a very small limited amount of 20, 20 some nodes, but uh, as they're creating their own blocks, it's just I guess within the next year or two, going to just be too hard for those um, small amount of nodes to basically handle all the transactions, but that's what has kept the network so cheap. Do you know much about that situation? So I don't know about that specific situation, but um, Binance or um, Ethereum or Avalanche or any of these major layer one blockchains, uh, they have what are called validator nodes. And uh, the big catch with validator nodes is they typically have incredibly high requirements. Um, right now, an Ethereum validator node requires 32 Ethereum to run, which is still like 60 or 70 grand. And on um, the technical side as well, too, right? Like they have oh, to be extremely fast. Yeah, you have to really know your stuff. Yeah, they have high requirements for the actual hardware you're running on, but you also have to know yourself for setting it up and maintaining it. Uh, so the barrier to entry is incredibly high. And therefore, there's usually a very small amount of these nodes out there in the wild. Um, and as the price of the crypto hopefully appreciates, it gets even more and more uh, difficult to break into running one yourself. So the number is finite. Um, and so, it's, you know, it's really tough to get new people online to keep the, uh, the network scaling. And so you can actually have all these transactions and various stuff. Um, 
And uh, so, yeah, on one side, you you incentivize people to run these really high-end, high-quality nodes, so you make sure the network is really running uh, super well. But on the other hand, you alienate so many other people where you can't actually scale up past a certain point. So I don't know specifically what Binance has got going on, but I can imagine some combination of those issues. Yeah. Right. No, fair enough. And I appreciate you yeah, trying to tackle that question. Uh, what's uh, What would you say is some of the biggest mistakes um, new people in crypto make? Maybe they're interested in nodes or just getting into the uh, the whole economy let's say i know in the last uh, bull run of course there's hordes of people of new people coming in and wanting to get uh interested and and learn more so yeah i'd love to get your opinion on that uh there's a bunch of things people i think the mistakes they make i think the common ones um is that uh, newer people just aren't mentally prepared to like deal with crypto um, they're emotional investors. And if you're emotional in crypto, you're almost certainly going to get um, wrecked um, <laughs> because it's like, it's so easy that when everyone is talking about something to get to buy into the hype and then to buy this thing. And then we all watch it crash down. And then as it crashes, you sell because you freak out. You don't actually know what you bought in the first place. Um, so as no matter how many times I tell people um, to like, you know, do your own research and make your own decisions, uh, and that gets written off as like, I'm just, you know, covering my butt with this by saying this. But the reality is I really want people to do that because uh, so many people buy something purely because I talk about it or anyone on YouTube talks about it and they don't actually know what it does or they have no conviction about it. They just hope it goes up and they make money. Um, but then even, even if you do that, which that can actually be a valid strategy sometimes, but uh, you have to have a plan. Um, yeah. if you're even doing that and they don't like say they don't make a plan for like when they're going to sell or what price level. So um, it's just a lot of not thinking, I think, is the big um, mistake people make. So you have to like you have to be willing to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. But you have to be able to do this for a longer period of time and be OK with losing a lot over a long period of time. We figure things out. Uh, but then you also have to like you have to make a plan, like some kind of educated, re like reasonable, uh, logical plan. And uh, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, well, that just means you don't know enough yet and you don't, you're not educated enough. So you need to spend less time, where do I put this $500 and more time watching, you know, 40 plus hours of YouTube content on people just talking about the basics uh, and wrap your head around that stuff. And do you agree that that's probably one of the best places to try and find information or educate yourself is watching videos? Um, yeah, I want to say yes, because I do, I love uh, YouTube. I love the, um, I love the accessibility uh, and the availability of the content there. And it's free and you can learn, you can do, you can learn to be a professional plumber on YouTube and stuff. Uh, but with hand in hand, with all the incredible resources, there is also terrible um, information. Um, uh, yeah. And so it's just, I think it's also just really tough for a newer person to parse all that info. So yeah, I want to say, yes, YouTube is a wonderful resource, but you have to go into it and watch everybody, including myself, with a grain of salt and really like question everything everyone says and like process it and then and watch other people and watch conflicting views and kind of decide for yourself what you think is right and true and then try to navigate it um because if you just take everybody every video at its word uh that's that's a recipe for a disaster fair enough so then with that being said uh where would you then see opportunity for these uh people that might be newer to crypto within the last let's say year or two um where do you see opportunity for them other than just learning as much as they can? It's sort of a bear market, as we can see here. Uh, the States is doing their worst in terms of inflation. It's not yep. much better here in Canada. So 
yeah. Do you see opportunity? What are, what, what are your strategies? Oh, I've made almost all my money in crypto because I invested during a time like this in 2018, 19, 2020. So uh, I think the biggest thing is don't give up. Like if you can just not give up and you can just stick with it and like continue to invest and like learn about where you should be putting your money and stuff in the space, I think the returns can be phenomenal. Uh, but me for newer people, I think it's like build a foundation, go back to basics, decide what is foundational stuff. In my opinion, that's like buying lots of Bitcoin um, and maybe buying Ethereum or something like that. But like figure out whatever your foundation is, slowly scale into that, just dollar cost average buy into that, like learn about that aspect. And then once you have some good momentum there with this foundational stuff, then layer in some like medium risk. And then once you have some stuff there, then layer in some like higher risk, like, you know, potential moonshot type stuff in the next bull market. Um, but I, I see there is a whole bunch of opportunity to buy incredibly um, exciting assets right now at these incredibly depressed prices. But simultaneously, uh, last uh, crypto winter, I bought lots of mining hardware and I also mined through the whole thing. And I see just, uh, I see a lot of potential with um, getting nodes right now. Um, getting mining hardware uh, and uh, not just mining and earning through this period, but then also have the potential to flip this stuff when everything turns around. I bought so much mining hardware. I bought mining motherboards, for example, for like $30 each and then sold them on eBay for $450 each uh, during Did you this get last them, bull run. Sorry to interrupt. Did you get them uh, overseas? Or are you buying them from the state specifically? I just bought them on eBay from people in the US who just were giving up on mining. And I bought them at the absolute bar bargain basement prices and i just shoved them on a shelf behind me and then in the past year and a half during this bull run i just put them back on ebay for you know nearly you know for over 10 times the cost you know so it's just and when people give up like when people capitulate and like throw in the towel if you pick the right things to buy up from the people who are giving up the upside potential is massive and i know that you know it's one it's it's tried to say this and two he hates crypto but i mean there's a reason warren buffett's quote is so famous that is like you buy when 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 people are greedy you you sell and when when people are are scared you buy like this is like you know investing 101 but it's really hard to do in the moment like when everything is so super scary to actually be out there buying blood on the streets you know it's like well it could go down low or whatever yeah but that's that, that's kind of the risk and I think defining your own time horizon is very important because whether it's overvalued or undervalued, there's people with so many different strategies on how they try to make money off of it. So just yeah. buying and hoping it goes up or the opposite way. Um, with that being said, do you have any, I guess, large mistakes you've made in the last couple of years that you, let's say, wish you could go back and, and change or are you pretty happy with how you've played it because i know experience especially in the bull run people have made a ton of money forgot to take profits and then completely lost it i see those confessions on twitter all the time of could have been a millionaire now i'm back to my nine to five didn't take yeah. profit so i mean I, I have my share of those even in this market like even even with the insights from my last experience in the last bull bull market and then to the to the bear market um i went into this one with meticulously mapped out sell levels and stuff like that but still that's speculation and guessing so like some of them i just never hit those levels um and so uh and i i thought i would i thought they would it would go there i thought they were reasonable um and they probably were but you know world changes we go to wars happen and 
uh, inflation is, you know, all kinds of things you can't predict or control. Um, and so some of it is like, maybe it was a mistake, but also I have really long-term like conviction about these things. So I'm not too worried about it. I'm okay sitting through another bear market, holding onto these things still. Um, I think a big mistake this bull market that I made was um, when I first heard about strong nodes, when I first heard of hearing about all these projects, my, uh, I was super suspicious of them. And I'm like, nope, too good to be true. Probably is. And yeah. then it just kept working month after month after month. And then I finally just broke down and I'm like, okay. And then I kind of dove in because they just were working and the next one was working and the next, and everything was like golden. And I got caught up in the very thing I said I wouldn't get caught up in. Uh, and yeah, I did. I, I'm pretty sure I've more, I made more money than I, than I lost, uh, but still, if I there's just better ways I could have played that instead of getting caught up in, in FOMO and stuff. It's just so easy, even for someone who's been through the past crypto winter to still get caught up in these things because crypto is so unpredictable. It's it's like impossible to not see stuff working for an extended period of time. Like, oh, Strong's been around for a year now. It's like, well, in crypto, a year is like an eternity. And you're like, mm -hmm. well, I guess at this point, this is just how it's going to happen. And it's still, you know, still disappoints. You can still fail. So it's just tough to predict. Um, it's like, I just try to buy things I believe in super long-term and I try to be like a venture capitalist and put my money across a number of assets. So that if half go to zero, the other half are still good, you know, um, and just kind of protect myself in ways and maintain my capital, uh, and definitely don't throw all my money into like the super high risk baskets. Cause I saw lots of people this cycle who did that and they have nothing now. And I still have a pretty massive crypto portfolio just because I still have most of my stuff in the things that I believe have utility or have been around longer or weren't right. the fast cash stuff. So then uh, in terms of your finances, do you have anything outside of crypto? Do you go into the stock market as well? Do you have real estate? Are you trying to diversify as much as possible? Yeah. So uh, for the past year and a half, I haven't bought a single I haven't put a single dollar into the stock market. Um, uh, I was doing that before, and then I stopped during all this action. Uh, and now, um, as of like four or five months ago, I started uh, pretty aggressively dollar cost averaging back in, uh, putting thousands per week into uh, just uh, mostly just VTI, uh, Vanguard Total Market Index Fund. Index funds, um, yeah. So I love, I think, uh, I think, um, I get a I get a bad rep because of yeah, I'm so big into crypto that people think oh you know being irresponsible it's like well I pick and choose when I'm more you know more responsible or less responsible or however you want to phrase it um, I still believe in index funds over the long haul but I just was picking and choosing my timing I guess uh, and then certainly yeah as I take profits on crypto and stuff I want to take that money and diversify it I, I believe in crypto for the next several decades I believe it's it's part of the future. Um, uh, of uh, our society and of the world. Uh, but at the same time, I also believe in preserving your wealth. So yeah, money will be taken out and put into index funds. And then real estate is another thing I'm looking to do maybe in the next year or so. Yeah, fair enough. We had a huge bubble in my city here where houses were selling for 30,000 more than the asking price the day of with 20 offers. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure what it's like down in Texas, but um potentially with all these interest rates rising, there might be an opportunity to maybe hold some cash now and, and purchase at a, at a discount. Oh, here in Austin, uh, there's many houses in our, we, we bought early in a neighborhood that was kind of up and coming and we could not afford to buy into it now, but um, we, there's multi-million dollar houses all around us that were selling for 
uh, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars over asking uh, with people fighting to make those offers. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm looking at online at Zillow and Red, Red, uh, Redfin uh, and seeing like minus $50,000 price cut, $25,000 price cut. I'm like, okay, here comes the correction. Yeah, yeah exactly. Unsustainable. Uh, would you mind talking more about the current businesses you're also working on? I know you have uh, a community group as well, um, maybe on or offline that you're also working on towards the future. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for a while, our main business was um, business me and my wife had run for the past decade, creative business, but then uh, starting this whole YouTube world. And so now YouTube is a business in and of itself with multiple income streams, which is just a, it's a funny, funny world. Um, but then that uh, kind of led into this idea to start a community. Um, and uh, so I had lots of people who were kind of asking, can I, talk to you, can I book time with you, whatever. So I kind of did like a one-on-one -on -one consulting kind of thing. And then my schedule filled up and uh, it was just kind of overwhelming to like deal with that. So the community was like, this idea is like, Hey, can I greatly reduce this price of entry, still give people a chance to like chat with me and other YouTubers and stuff. Uh, and still like build out some kind of like financial education, like teach people how to like handle all this stuff. Uh, and that turned into the community, which is called sleep money club, uh, which I started with my friend, uh, Colin, he's got a uh, a YouTube channel called a decade investor. And so we've been doing that for six months now. And it is, it's been so much fun, meet so many cool people. Um, and it's been a great uh, business just to, to start and run, but it's also just been fun to like, uh, have some other like, um, outside of YouTube, a more like, uh, hands-on more interactive kind of educational, um, uh, resource, I guess, for people. Uh, so there's that. And then, um, I mean, there's a bunch of like little things I, I've, I've I still flip things. I still, uh, we, uh, for a while until I had some issues I'm repairing, we have a Airbnb, uh, that we, uh, was an income stream. Um, and of course all the crypto passive income is technically another business and the mining and all this various stuff. So all these things together, it's just me trying to build resilience in case any one of these, uh, which inevitably some of them will fail at some point, some income stream will stop, um, I have options. Biggest route to success is having yeah, multiple income streams that don't take all of your time at once. So yes. very cool. In terms of your YouTube business, um, did you figure out basically, I'm going to call it the algorithm early with your last channel and have you seen it change uh, moving forward in, I guess now this third quarter of 2022 since you started and how has that affected your um, way of creating content, researching content? designing your your videos and so forth so my previous channel i felt like um uh had the um the algorithm kind of cornered had it figured out and then started a finance channel and realized i don't know anything about youtube <laughs> uh and so <laughs> i kind of aimlessly created content yeah i aim i very aimlessly created content on youtube at first for the first few months and then i was realizing um i need to uh, stop trying to make videos that people want to click on um, because they seem interesting or whatever. And I need to make videos that purely uh, add value and help people. So I focus solely on um, search engine optimization content. I just did reviews of stuff and showed people how to do like a, in a brokerage, like how do you set up your account? How do you set up the Roth IRA and how tutorials, do you set up, yeah. yeah, tutorials and stuff. I just, uh, I looked through all the search results and I found results that I felt like I could answer that didn't have very good results um, with people answering high quality. And I'm like, I could do a better job than these other videos. And so I attacked those and then slowly, but surely 
um, uh, over the Started course ranking. of a year. Yeah. Start, you know, I, I have number one rankings for quite a few categories and those would get the regular views and they brought subscribers. And then once I had the kind of snowball moving, then I started to go back into the idea of, can I get some broader ideas that people read the thumb, uh, see the thumbnail and read the title and go, what? Huh? Mm-hmm. How did you do that? Or something like that, you know, some kind of gut reaction then click on it. And then those ones actually had initial people to watch the stuff. And then those got a little bit broader audience. Then the channel really took off uh, until all this current market happened. And then it right back down, uh, kind of corrected. Yeah. Um, But yeah, just, I mean, I I wouldn't say that I have, I truly understand the algorithms or anything like that. But um, I know that if uh, I've had a lot of success with, if you can just help people at first and then try to surprise people or uh, get people to be curious, uh, then you can get traction. That's very cool. So you mentioned uh, you have an editor. Do you do all your own research now? Like your keyword research, is that your your thing? Are you always on on the lookout for the next best thing? Like you said, always looking to experiment for YouTube as well. Uh, so actually been, I've done a very bad job of uh, the keyword research stuff. I haven't like done any SEO content uh, I've purely focused on the broader stuff because it was working so well for for a while uh, yeah. because the market was so good. Um, but now I'm starting to make lists of things that I think are being much more evergreen, uh, much more helpful long-term, uh, much more search-oriented. Uh, so yeah, I'm doing all that research myself. Um, and uh, I do write all my scripts and everything myself. But my editor, he, he has his own um, YouTube channel um, where he does like movie... Uh, video essays and um, kind of broader topic video essays and stuff. And he's a very talented uh, writer. And so he does help me like tweak things and, and give thoughts on stuff. And he's been a really helpful insight uh, there. Um, but yeah, it's been up until hiring somebody has been largely all me. And even still, it's a, quite a bit of it is still um, all me. And yeah, it's just like taking stabs in the dark to some degree. It's like, I have an idea of maybe what will work, but still it's, you know, you don't know. YouTube changes constantly. It's an ever-changing landscape. So what worked two months ago probably won't work two months from now. So yeah, the advice most people say is just start and try as many things as possible. I know there's a lot of uh, younger audience that wants to obviously become YouTubers when they they grow up. Was there any other kind of advice you would give them other than just start and fail? Yeah, so I always tell people that your first 50 or 100 videos are going to be terrible and just like get through them as fast as you possibly can. But don't just like make content to make content. You have to like make a video, release it, then watch it like two weeks later and then like cutthroat, like critique yourself and say, what did I just absolutely do terrible at here? What can I improve upon? What did I do well? What seems to be resonating? You have to like ultra critical of your own stuff so you can like, iterate and make your next one better your next video should always be you know some degree better than your last several uh so there is that aspect um and uh, there is a very popular idea that you know consistency wins on youtube and you have to be consistent on youtube to win but consistency does not equal success um like people see that people see the mr beasts and they go he was doing it for five years and then he blew up but he was also constantly trying different stuff and you know and he he is also certainly the exception uh to that rule if you've been doing it for five years and results are basically identical to where they were you know when you started you're doing something wrong it's like 
my first three months, I was not getting the traction. I wasn't getting any traction that I was expecting. So I'm like, something's wrong. So I changed my entire strategy. Um, you have to be self-aware in this game while simultaneously having an extremely long-term like mindset uh, with it. Uh, and even then, it's still tough. Uh, but man, if anybody has any inkling to try it, it's so much fun. And like, please do try it. At least give it a shot. And maybe it won't work out. Uh, but I can certainly be a testament that you do not need a large YouTube channel to do this full time or to be successful with it. Um, when I was focused on just general finance stuff and mainly doing like bank reviews and credit card reviews and brokerage reviews and tutorials on these things, um, I'm talking like five to 10,000 subscribers. Yeah. Um, I even then I made between uh, six uh, to eight and even my peak $10,000 per month with that channel. Yeah. Could monetize um, and it. then it exploded after that when I started about talking about crypto and the good market. But my point is, I could have continued doing that, may, making that kind of money with even a you know small. I mean, I realize ten thousand subscribers is a lot to some people, but in the big scheme of things, it's small. With a small channel, you can still it just depend on what your niche is and how you do it and how you handle it and stuff. But incredible opportunities on YouTube. I completely agree, and how it opens the door to have one creative outlet to bring in multiple rev revenue streams is mm -hmm. insane. There's not a lot of business models out there like that. So very cool. Oh yeah. And it's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm doing uh, uh, Google AdSense, you know, YouTube ads. Uh, I very occasionally now I was doing more, but I've kind of stepped back from doing sponsorships uh, and then affiliates. So it's like, my three that I do, but there's Patreon and merchandise and, and like coaching and I don't sell, selling courses. And like, there's a, there's so many ways you can selling physical product, you know, so many ways you can monetize this thing yeah. that, you know, it's like, take your pick of your favorite flavors and just run with them. No, it's very cool. And it's awesome to watch you uh, continue to grow. I've came across your channel quite a, quite a while now, probably maybe since you're around like 40 or 50, I've saw some of your stuff. So it's been great okay, to cool. yeah, connect and watch you create a bunch of crypto stuff as well, too. It's, Cause that's sort of fun. my passion as well, too. I love just trying new finance stuff. Of course, uh, if it's online, got to try it somehow. So yeah, that, uh, has been most of my questions. You have a wealth of knowledge. If there was anything you'd else like to plug, I know we'll check out, uh, your YouTube channel. I'll leave that in the description, but if I know you also have a pretty big Twitter following or you're, you post quite a bit on Twitter as well. So was there anything else you were promoting at the current time? Uh, you know, yeah. Subscribe to me on YouTube. I'd appreciate it. Uh, come, I share different stuff on Twitter. Um, you can come follow me on Twitter. Um, or if you want to chat and learn, whatever, check out uh, Sleep Money Club, zzzmoneyclub.com. But no, that, that, I don't have anything else to say. I appreciate you taking the time to chat. It was cool to connect. Uh, it was cool to check out your channel and stuff too once you reached out. It's fun. I like I like talking about YouTube. I like talking about crypto and I like talking to other people who like talking about these things too. It's fun. Exactly. I appreciate it. Thank you, Andy.